welcome in everybody to another episode of Scrubbery and the Scrub. I am Jordan Scurry here with my man Matt D. Marinas, and today we actually got a special guest for you guys. Uh, really special guest, actually. Guy that used to bust my ass every day in practice. Uh, Big East All Performer. I don't even got your stats up right now, but recent G League champion. We got my man Marcus Foster in the house with us here today. Marcus, appreciate you for coming on. I don't think there's many people better to be in the world than Marcus Foster right now. You're like at the top of the mountain. You, you know, you G League champion and about to be uh, dad times two. Man. Is that right? Yes. Times two. I have a little boy coming on the way in October. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. Congratulations on the championship and, you know, new baby boy on the way. That's going to be that. That's crazy because we used to talk about this stuff all the time and now you're there, man. Yeah. So congrats all right, on man. all of it. Congrats Appreciate on all your success, it, man. man. Yeah, I think he's a but yeah, man. I think he's two time first team all biggies. Right. right Is that? Yeah, I, yeah, I should I should have pulled that stat up. Yeah, he came in and didn't mess around. He, he, he got accolades right away all every year he was there. So. He let him know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, clearly he was the man there, me. and now go because ahead. They tried to snub me my last year. I didn't. I didn't get unanimous. So, oh, but I, I was on there. So I still they, think about that. They're they're always snubbing Creighton somehow and something, <laughs> some one way or another. They forget about him over in Omaha. Yo, man, that's big. That's big can't. time though. We were we, we were watching obviously, uh, you know, the G League playoffs and everything, and you hit that huge shot to push your team in the finals. Uh, that dagger three, uh, nasty pull up. Um, but I don't know, dude. I was I was more excited about the baby. That's crazy because Jasmine's been getting so big, and I was kind of wondering, like, I wonder if they were gonna add to get her a sibling so she can. She's probably driving you guys crazy a little bit with all the activities she wants to do. Like, how 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 psyched is Jasmine right now to have a brother coming in October? Yeah, she's she's very excited. She's been talking about it for for probably about a year now. But, you know, <laughs> she, yeah, she's, she's been wanting for a while. Yeah, at first, she wanted a baby sister, and then now she's just like, she's like, I want a baby brother. And then we found out like two weeks ago, we were having a boy, and we told her. So she's just so excited. And, you know, my wife, Chelsea, she's excited about it. And, you know, it's just a perfect time for us. How's the family doing? Like, how, how, I don't know, how, how's like, what's Jasmine into? Like, how are you guys? How are you and Chelsea doing? How's everything going at home? Yeah, everything's been great at home. I think that's that's what's really been the best thing about being professional because now you that's that's all it is basketball and having my family. So it's been real good for us traveling the world. Um, you know, Jasmine, she's she's getting so much older. She's in school right now. Um, she wants to pick up basketball. She used to never want to pick up basketball. Now she wants to really? do it. So. <laughs> I think I think we got Olympian though. I think she's gonna like just do something with track though. Okay, okay. Yeah, she's she's super fast. So I mean Jordan, you know how remember how little she was like when Marcus was a senior and then it like in the you know after the crazy games off big she's getting now, it's insane. I knew it was gonna be like this, but but seeing pictures of her, it's it's like dating myself is I'm like, oh my gosh, wow, has it been that long? Like she's so big now, and I mean, obviously she gets that from you. You got the height, so she's growing. Fa- and girls do grow faster, so she's mm-hmm. tall, man. How tall is she now? I'm not sure exactly how tall she is, but I know she's still in the 98th percentile. Remember, I used to always tell I you the, the yep. higher percentile for her age, and she's still 98. Yep. So I don't. I think crazy. the lowest she got was 97, but is she. Uh, That's crazy. 
is she into what dad does? Does she like fully know what, what you, what you do every day? And is she like, is she a fan now or is she still yeah. trying to figure it I out? I think, yeah, it really started last year kind of when we were in, in Greece that she kind of started understanding like, okay, like uh, my dad plays basketball and this is what he does for a living. So now she's more excited to go to the games. Like before some games she would want to go to, she would be on her iPad the whole time. But now like, especially this year, like when she go, Chelsea doesn't even have to bring the iPad. She's just more excited to watch the game. Nice. Okay. So we got a little hoop head on our hands then. huh? Yeah. Nice. She was over here watching playoff basketball because she got out of school yesterday. She's like, I'm like, you know what time it is tonight? She's like, what? I'm like, we're going to watch basketball. She's like, all right, I'll watch basketball with you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's uh? Did you get to bring your family everywhere, every place you went overseas, or did you have to do some of that on your own after college? Uh, every, everywhere I've been, uh, she's gone. They've gone, both gone with me. That's what, that was, made, that's what was kind of weird about it this year. Like, they were mm-hmm. with me more when I was overseas than this year because, you know, really? just the area I was in, it made more sense. Okay. For them to be in Kansas City more, and she started school, so mm-hmm. we just kind of made that decision where, you know, they would come down every once in a while. And the G League schedule was so crazy, like we're playing, we're on the road. Like I think at one point I was on the road for twenty one days. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, it gets crazy. So it just made sense for them to stay back. But yeah, everywhere I go, they usually come with me. At some point, was uh, was her getting into school the reason you decided to try stateside this year, or what went into that decision to not go overseas? Um, it was really more my agent, actually. He kind of proposed it to me kind of like uh, at the beginning of my season in Greece because he, he said one day randomly he got a call from the Rockets like that, you know, they're really interested in me and they're going to be watching me. And then they just kept everything. They just kept following up on me. So over the summer, we just kept talking about it and they were more and more interested. When I went to summer league, they really enjoyed me. And so they wanted me to be a part of the organization. So that's how I got the chance to, you know, sign an exhibit 10 deal with them. And, you know, I think it was the best decision for me, really. Yo, that's that's crazy. So she got to go everywhere. Where was it's kind of two part question. Where was like her favorite place over there to play, I guess. And where was your favorite place? Because I know you were over there for a while and I know like a lot went into it and you were there throughout the pandemic. So like where was I guess where did you like find it to be the most like ideal situation for you versus where it was tough? Um, I would say she loved uh, Chelsea loved Israel. Like that was that was her favorite place she's been, and uh, it's Israel's one of my beautiful. Israel's beautiful. And, yeah, yeah, it's real nice down there. It's a small place, so she get around. So it was perfect for us because you know she loves to be go to the beach, so she could drop me off at practice and go to the beach for a couple of hours. My teammates drop me off at the house, and you know they can really do their own thing. So I think that Jazz Jasmine would tell you she loved. She loved Greece just because a lot of my teammates were older, so they had a lot of kids. So she got to hang yeah. out with a lot of kids last year. Priorities, priorities, got it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then for me, for me, the weird thing, my my favorite place was South Korea. Like the culture, the food, like just it was just so different that you had to kind of try out their culture to kind of make yourself feel comfortable. And it made me get out of my comfort zone. So I think that was one of the favorite places I've been so far. They kind of got some drip out there in South Korea too, hey, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I did a lot of shots out there. I can't lie. It's, 
Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that out there that the nah, swag yeah. is on. Point, I, like so they go up. to McDonald's and and get dressed up. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't make that up. You gotta get that's right crazy. everywhere that's you dope. go. You can't take it for granted anywhere. Um, I just lost my train of thought. But uh, what's what's the hardest part about like making that decision to go to a different country and? pursue your professional career like is it intimidating at all to leave you know that family structure at home even though you're bringing you know chelsea and jasmine i'm sure that helps but just to leave everything you're kind of you know and you're comfortable with over here and you know go and mix in with a different culture and try to also get make sure you're doing it uh doing it right because you're a professional basketball player now and this is your livelihood yeah, it's definitely tough. I think by me going to South Korea my uh, first year, that kind of helped me with the process because over there I had to get out of my comfort zone so much that each year got easier and easier to go out there. But it's definitely tough. It's definitely a transition. It takes a while to get accustomed to, especially with the time zones and all that. You kind of like this year kind of felt weird to me that I wasn't over there. So, like, now I'm to the point where I'm so used to it and I already know what to do. You know, I know what places to go to and how to get around and different stuff like that. So, I I really enjoy it over there. Like, that's what me, me and Chelsea talk about all the time. Like, it was so weird being over here for the first couple months really? to where we were all like, we were like almost like, dang, we kind of wish we could go back there because it's so different than what we uh, used to. What do you feel like if you were advising younger players now, especially because there's, I don't know, it just feels like there's so many more options for people to make decisions. Like it's, it's gotta be tougher than ever to, to know like, okay, do I stay in school and do basketball in school or do I go pro make, make, you know, make money playing basketball and then just study when I can online, like to finish my degree, like, how would you advise a, a someone who's going through it now with all the, you know, with all the you know G League overseas? Um, NIL is certainly something that would be attractive to players staying in school longer. Like, how would you navigate that? Do you think if you were still in school? Yeah, it's it's so much tougher for for kids now than how it was when when we were back in school. But usually, I just tell people you usually got to go with what's best for you and your situation because. Your situation is different from another situation. Like, example, I have a kid on my team, Daisha Nix. He's 19 years old. He yeah. went to G League at night. It didn't work out as he wanted to. He goes undrafted. But now he plays a year in the G League. He goes from two-way to signing a four-year, two-year guaranteed deal with the Rockets. So it's like it worked out for him that way. But it might not work out for everybody or not even that fast. So I just tell I usually just tell kids you you got to go with whatever you feel. And if you do fail, that it's not the end of the world. Like you have to keep going and keep keep trying to get yourself there because, you know, sometimes you might if you want to get in the NBA, you want to make the NBA in a year. It might take you three years. It might take you two and a half, might take you a couple games. You never know. So you just have to keep going because sometimes you're going to fail. Like you're not going to get everything you want and expect to get. <clears throat> So you just got to keep going. Yeah, I think uh, I'm glad you brought up Deshaun because he's he he's been really good for you guys. And I can't imagine like you're not playing in front. of. I mean, there's eyeballs on you guys, you know, like, yeah, I think it's a good point that you made there about, you know, 
they're the window doesn't close if you don't make the right choice at you know 18 years old right because he 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 balled out like i think you know he's uh he's got a chance to stick somewhere because of the way he played and the way he stuck through it right yeah that's that's the best situation you can look at like he just stuck through it things didn't go like he wanted to and he made the most out of it um i mean he he's a prime example of a kid that is just hungry and he he always tell me like the best thing for him that he went undrafted because that changed his life. And now he, I think he has a true chance to be around in the NBA 10, 12 years with how he plays. For sure. That's crazy. Cause like you talk, you talk about like the adjustments you have to make and like, there's been so much talk about how like the much overseas these guys and G League guys have to remain like persistent in their play and stuff like that. And just, you know, be able to adapt, I guess, like wh- where, did, where did you have to adapt? Cause like, obviously you had so much success at Creighton and then just going to overseas, like you started to have so much early success, even like you were talking about earlier in just in South Korea, like when was it like that you felt like you were like, had to make an adjustment. Was there a certain country you played in that you felt like the game was a little bit different or, or I guess what was, when did you realize like uh, an adjustment, I guess, in the game for you? Um, I would say for me, when I went to, uh, when I played in Greece with Panathinaikos, when I played in the Euro League, like, I think that for me was like a huge wake up call in order to get my game where it is now. Like, so, you know, last year I was the, I was probably third youngest on my team first year in Euro League. And I, I, they thought I became better than they thought I was. Like they had me, I was probably going to be like the eighth, ninth man off the bench, but I ended up being a starter. And so for me, instead of, you know, staying hungry with it and keep going, I got complacent. And, you know what I'm saying? Now I started slipping on defense assignments and not boxing now or doing just the little things that I was, that I was doing early on to get me to start. And by mm-hmm. after that, about six, eight games in, I went from playing 25, 28 minutes a game to seven, nine minutes a game. So I think that changed everything. And then leading into this season, now I become the oldest one on the team. And now I have to be that leader. I have to be more vocal. I have to be in the right spots at the right time. So that really helped me last season to get to where I'm at now. And especially now, this is year, my first year I played a full season actually playing point guard. So without me going through all that last year, I don't think it would be able to for my game to build to where it is now. Yeah, man, you you did develop like just watching you this year. You really you really, really took on that PG role this year, huh? Yeah, it was it was a crazy thing for me because that that wasn't what I was expecting to do. I knew I was going to play PG, but I didn't think I was going to be like there was times in, in a lot of games where I was really a pass first point guard where I'm setting guys up more than scoring. So for me, that was just a cool experience to see because it's always something that people said I, I need to work on or I couldn't do. So for me to do it and especially doing that at a high level, like I was doing at the end of the season, like, you know, people were calling me like, like, man, you look, you look amazing right now. Like this is the best I've ever seen. I've ever seen you play. And I'm like, this yeah. is the best I, I've ever felt, you know, I'm reading the game at a whole different level than I have before. Cause you know, usually me, I just, I go out there and score and that's just what I do. Mm-hmm. Buckets on yeah, buckets. no, it, 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 clear, it clearly looks <laughs> like you first picked up stuff, man. <laughs> What'd you say? But yeah, I said shoot first, ask questions later, man. Yeah, exactly. 
That's the motto. Let it fly, right? That's right. That's right. Man, I ain't go crazy for nothing. <laughs> What's the what? What do you feel like is the biggest difference between those two positions? So I think, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot a lot of there's a lot of positionless basketball at all levels, and even in the women's game now. What's the mm-hmm. difference between the one and the two, in your opinion? Uh, it's it's really tough because now kind of how the game is trans transforming, like the one and two is the same position. So I think it depends. It depends the style of the play, but how my coach presented it to me was, you know, I have to make sure, you know, I got to make sure this guy gets going. And Jordan, you know, this is kind of like how uh, when WAP, when WAP used to play. You know, I got to get this guy going. I got to get this guy going. Then I got to get myself going. You know, you know, this guy likes this. Like we had a guy on our team who shot 70 percent from both corners. So it was like, all right, (laughs) I need to make sure he gets into the corner. So when I do come off screens, I can get it to him in that corner. He's ready to shoot. So that's and that's one thing is different about Europe and NBA. Like when you're in Europe, they're like, okay, you you score. This is what you do. Rather than this year, the NBA style, they're like, okay, we know you can score, but we need somebody to run the team. So which do you feel more comfortable with them? So, like, you like – because obviously, like, you've obviously been playing more of, like, that, I guess, one role for your team. Now Mm -hmm. you've developed all these, like, combo guard skills around both. Obviously, you were pure scored, like – from birth i guess and then now you're able to come out here like you really do man i gotta give you credit like watching you this year like you're you have the most control to your game i've ever seen you have like like i guess like what is like what is your preference of play now like where do you see yourself like going like where do you see your role what do you see your role being um like i guess what did you like the most about it which role do you like the most uh, I mean, which one I truly like the most is the two guard, just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's more simple. I just I just got to go out there and be me. But I think what's about to happen in my career is I'm probably going to be playing a lot more point guard, which is cool mm-hmm. with me. I actually like it. It's more challenging for me. And it gives me like it gives me a more energetic vibe going into the game, because now it's like a challenge. It's like, how can I get my guys going when they're down and also get myself going too? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you know when you look at your what was performance. Oh, sorry, Jordan. No, you're good. Go ahead, man. Oh, yeah, when you I just just looking at your performances this year, it's like everything was really efficient. Like four assists, thirty nine percent from three. You shot the ball well inside the arc too. You know, it just felt like everything was clicking. Like, was there a point in the year where it started to mesh to you, where it felt like you got a grasp of what you were supposed to do in terms of your responsibilities as a facilitator, and then it it didn't sap away any of the stuff that you normally do as a two guard? Yeah, I would say probably towards, I think probably towards the end of February, right around that time is when I, I, I knew everything that I needed to do coming into game because everything just started clicking. And it's just a lot of like film, individual film work that my team was doing with me. Like I've never watched this much film, even when I was in college of, of myself as they taught me when they were teaching me different points, like a lot of coaches were pulling me aside, showing me different clips. Then now I started to see like, okay, if this defense in a drop, I know I'm be able to get it across court. I'm going to have the lob on the late dip uh, dump off. Then I know if they're going to hedge, I can step back and hit the pocket pass. It just really, everything started flowing. And I knew I could go and get 
twenty point six assists every game. When you what's the difference when you're in the in the structured development part of college versus the G League? Like how much time do you have to practice your game in a facility? Um, how much time do you have to watch film? How much time do you have to recover and train your body the right way to get it ready for game nights? Like what's the what are the what are the comparisons and the differences between college and G League? I would definitely say like the workload is definitely more recovery and more film. You got to learn a lot of things on the fly and you got to be able to apply it in the game. And I learned too, one thing my coach was huge on was making sure you get your reps in the game. So, you know, if you, you might be up by 20, 25 points, but now you need to work on the stuff that, you know, you've been watching in film at these moments of the game. So instead of having to worry about winning and all that, now you can actually work on your game because to be honest, we we probably practiced like an actual practice, probably did it like two or three times a month just because of our schedule and the minutes everybody was playing. So recovery was like our big thing that we did in the travel because, you know, being in G League, the travel was the travels pretty crazy. And like I told you guys, we were, we were on the road one time for 21 days. So, you know, you might get in late. You're not going to practice the next day. You might get up some shots for 20 minutes, get recovery, watch film, and then get ready for the game and then head to the next city. So that's one thing I learned uh, about like, the, especially like that's what they do in the NBA rather than college and overseas. You play on Monday, you know, you're going to have an hour and a half, maybe two hour practice. That's crazy. That's crazy. So what is, uh, wanted to get more into it because obviously you champ, man. Like what, what is it, I guess, your most memorable part of your championship run you went on this year or, or even just the championship game? Um, I got funny story, actually. <clears throat> I think I'll never forget this about the championship. So championship game, I go out to warm up like uh, we do always do our individual warm up. So I get tape probably like 20, 25 minutes left before the game. My stomach just starts turning. Like, no. it's to the point, yeah, it's to the point where I can't even sit up like I had to lay down. So I'm just laying down and they're like, you all right? I'm like, nah, my stomach is killing me right now. So I could barely walk. Then finally I just started throwing up and it's like four minutes to go until the game start. So they're like, they're like, yeah, I don't, we don't know if Marcus is going to be able to go. So the whole first half, I was just throwing up, throwing up. I turned just like, yeah, cause I didn't even see game. you on the bench the whole time. Yeah. Like, I was hitting up blue. I was like, Where, did Marcus go overseas or something? Like <laughs> games, like, what happened? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, out of all the moments, this, this the moment right here. So then I throw up second half come, I start feeling a little bit better Then towards the end of the third. He's like, uh, you know, do you want to go? And I'm like, I'll give it a try. So they warm me up. And I was still feeling a little bit, but I was able to get in for seven minutes. So, you know, I'll take it. But that, yeah, that's something I'll never forget about the championship run. Dude, the the, the women's Euro League championship had a bunch of people sick right before the title game, too. That was crazy. Like they had yeah. like some food poisoning Man. or something like last minute. That's crazy that it happened to you, too. Man. What do you think it was? Was it something you ate or? I mean, I, it definitely had to be something I ate because I threw up my whole, my whole lunch. All the food, yeah. yeah. I threw, I threw everything up. <laughs> um, well, we're glad you're all right because I was like, yeah. Then I was like, what that's why I'm glad my just... team took care of business. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> I think De- I think Deshaun had a triple double or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, also, just for people who didn't watch the game, uh, Miles Powell was on the other team. So, once again, uh, you know, by some way, Creighton ends up winning a championship over Seton Hall. Um, some way. Some way. Just it's, kind of, it's kind of our thing. Don't just have to spend our That's kind of what we do. Yeah, it's kind of our thing. Um, yeah, like, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 it was crazy because I remember you played really well, obviously, in the semifinals, and then you played uh, – you had the dagger in the semifinals. It was a nasty step back. But uh, mm-hmm. actually, let's talk about that for a second because that was a sick shot. Yes, sir. Let's like, that was talk a bit, about That it. was like a big-time shot, and you were gassed up. You were gassed up, too, after that. Like, how 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 did that one feel to, to – Oh, it was it's really crazy because like I that's what I, I that's why I love my coach that I had this year because it's like he kind of is like a player coach, he understands us. So like the whole third quarter they're coming back, and I'm just I kept telling him like I'm like, give me the ball, give me the ball. And he just kept it. I mean, as he should, he just kept Dacian Nix just kept going and then he would pass it and I we would just take bad shots and they just kept coming back. So finally, like I'm like, no. I'm like, give me the ball. So I got it. And then that's when I came off and I made my move and then I went right into my shot. So that's why I was so hyped because because the whole time I was telling him to give me the ball and I couldn't get it at the end. And I finally did. So, you know, I had to make the shot. It was it was right wing. The Xavier shot you hit was left wing at the, at the garden. But mm-hmm. I think this one was, this one was more fun because you got to celebrate this one because I think it was like. You guys were already up two when you hit it, I think. So it puts you up five. Like the Xavier one, you had to play defense right away, so you couldn't <laughs> you right. couldn't celebrate immediately after hitting right. that thing because you had to get one more stop real quick, and then and then you could celebrate. So I think this one was probably a little bit more. You could probably juice it. This up one was more, more pure. Right this one was more pure too. Yeah. This one swooshed. The Xavier one rattled in. This one. Right, this yeah. one was way more pure. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I was definitely hyped about that because that. In, I mean, in our mind too, we kind of knew that that game was going to be the toughest one. Because I don't. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we went zero and three against them the whole year. That was the first time you beat them. Yeah, that was the oh, first wow. time we beat them. Wow. Yeah, that, you had to be hyped then for sure. What are the crowds like for home games for G League games? What are they like? Do you guys get a good turnout at all? We 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 probably have the best crowd. Really? Out of, out of everybody, hey. like, like I done played, I done played in some games that had probably like 20, 30 people in the stands this year. But it depends, it depends where you go. Like certain places have a good crowd. Like Santa Cruz had a good crowd. Uh Greensboro had a good crowd. There's a few good, good places, but we have we have like a nice arena. I think it sits like five or six thousand. I think we almost sold it out for the first play, uh first champion, first championship game, game one. Nice. So yeah, there's like some those are some hoop cities right there. Like Greensboro's always hosting tourneys and things like that. They just yeah, they just show up and watch hoops. They don't care what's going on. Yeah, and they had Lamelo Ball on their team, so he he has a big crowd. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's a selling point. Yeah, yeah, Leangelo, <laughs> Leangelo. That's right. Yeah, Lamelo's been doing it at the doing people dirty in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And when you uh, well, when not you, only because you brought up, go ahead. No, you're good. No, I was just only gonna say. Not only because you just did bring up like the G League teams and like we've seen guys like Gary Payton or Gary Payton, the, the second like t- uh, place for the Warriors now, like talk about the competition in the G League. What do you make of the like competition in the G League, even like versus overseas? Like, because you even talked about your teammate, you know, like and how like much of grinders these dudes are and how good like they have had to be just to even get there. Like, what do you make of it? I guess, like, what's your take on it? 
man, it's it's so the competition there is so tough because you got you got people in the G League that are really NBA players that people don't know about yet. So, or you got mm. people in the NBA that's already on contract that you're gonna play against. Like, you just never know. Like, you know, I got a chance. Gerald Green's on my team, or I got to play against Mario Chalmers. Um, you know, just guys. You get all you get all type of talent level in the G League, and that's what I like about it. Like, you might like. I think we played Josh Primo. He's like 18 years old. He's very talented. Former so, Creighton recruit. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it was between him and him. It was Creighton and Alabama, and he went to Alabama for a year. Oh, he's 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 gonna be real good. He's, yeah, he's he, nasty. When he gets his older grown man body, he's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. But I I wasn't expecting that coming in. I didn't think the competition levels be as good as it is. Yeah, there's some hoopers in there, like mm-hmm. Travell and Tra- Travell and Queen. Like that dude is so nasty. Like I he scores like I've never seen anybody score before. Man, like he makes it so, easy. He's so tough. I used to I always make fun. I'd be telling him like you really just a younger version than me when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> he is though. <laughs> He got that whole fight started late in that game in game two. Oh, <laughs> just, my God. Well, I don't know if he dunked or laid it. I think he laid it in and he got like hit or whatever. And then just like yeah, went over got- that whole bench and flexed and like started a whole ass fight at midcourt. That was hilarious. But man, he de- he deserves it. His story is like no other. And really? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad where he's at right now. Um, But yeah, but you're right though. Like you, you play with like, some studs, man. Like Queen is a stud. Like Gerald Green's a veteran of the NBA. Um, Fonda was nasty in this whole tournament. Um, you know, Tyler Bay is really good. Like mm-hmm. that. The G League was not was no joke this year. I think people like think it's uh, you know, guys that just don't have a shot and they're just coming overseas to try to like you know stay present. But no, that was. That was legit competition. Like there was some legit yeah. skill on, on display. There. That's that's the I be telling the, uh, them all the time. Like they put some like serious money into the G League. The G right. League could be like the one of the next best leagues in in the world. Because sure. you know guys gotta go. You gotta go overseas and make make a couple extra thousand. You know you're not gonna stay for the for a G League check like this. But but you know if you get some money into it, a lot of people would stay and it, it would get a lot of fan fan revenue too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the one thing, like, the crazy thing about that overseas doesn't get talked about maybe enough is, like, there's some, you know, we've heard some horror stories about, you know, guys not getting their checks, not getting paid, just going over there with certain, with, like, you know, teams overpromising and not delivering. And, I mean, it happens in volleyball, too, like, um, and I'm sure it happens in women's basketball. So, like, yeah, the, if the G League were to invest some, you know, some actual capital in the stateside product, like, they would get guys, you know, it would be it would it would be big for sure. Yeah, like it's a sure. little like minor league system to the NBA for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a lot of crazy over overseas stories. Oh, spill the tea. Let's go. So we have you on. What's uh, your craziest? What's, what's your craziest well, horror story? Last year, last Ooh. year I went. I went four and a half months without getting paid. What? How? Yeah, I went four and a half months. Cause it's like how they do it in the con the contracts really don't mean nothing. That's what's tough. Like we do, we sign a contract, but it really doesn't mean anything. Like they, so my contract said you have 60 days to pay me. So, you know, probably like day 54, they might send you, you know, a couple, not even probably like 5% of your check. 
And then you can't really go to FIBA because wow. they technically gave you something. All FIBA's going to do is just send them a letter and tell them they yeah. need you to pay you the rest. But by then, they'll pay you in those little increments like that. And then by then, that was when I left and went to Turkey. So they had to pay me. So then they paid me when at the end. But they were saying they weren't going to pay me. I mean, they weren't saying it, but the team was like, yeah, you're probably not going to get all your money till the mm-hmm. end of the year. That's just how they do. Yeah. I think – I don't know what it was. It was definitely some teams in Greece that were just paying exorbitant amounts of money. It's like, oh, man, they can go overseas and get bank. And it's like, nah, that stuff's kind of shady. Like, Yeah, you, yeah, you, mm. yeah. Sometimes – Sometimes back back before uh, FIBA was really uh, – FIBA used to be way worse about getting people their money. Teams would give them these crazy, like, million-dollar contracts that they know they can't pay, right. and then end up paying you half of it, and then they get out of it. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. now FIBA does a way better job of making sure you get your money. Nice. Problem is, too, we don't, we don't have, like, a union. Like, EuroLeague has a union, but, like – the whole overseas market doesn't have a union, so it's tough. So do you think uh, you think you're gonna stay stateside or do you not know what you're gonna do next yet? Um I, I have no I have no idea yet. Cause it's like, you know, I'm right there on that on the edge of possibly getting a contract. Right. But also too, I'm getting some some Euroleague, some Euroleague looks too. So it's like for me. You know, I'm kind of just keeping all my options open because you know I'm 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 I love Euroleague too. Yeah. Like I think Euroleague's a great league too. So I wouldn't mind being in Europe playing in Euroleague. Because the other thing is too, like you have um it's a tight window, isn't it, to make that decision if you wanna if you wanna go to a training camp. Yeah, if you want to go to a training camp, right, and then play summer league here overseas or, or stateside, that kind of it messes with your training camp window overseas, right? So if you were to do that and not get a shot, you would essentially be starting from behind if you went overseas after that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Usually right after summer league, you probably got, man, maybe like a week, maybe two weeks to make your decision because usually they want you over there to get ready for training camp because usually training camp overseas is probably like seven weeks, six to seven weeks. Right. So they want to get you over there as soon as possible and put you through put you through hell mm-hmm. <laughs> to get you ready for the season. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah, Euroleague's no guys, joke, right? Yeah, Euroleague's not no joke. Them guys, that's why it's crazy. Usually when I like when I played in uh Champions League, like the best player on the team is Americans. But when you're in Euroleague, sometimes the European players are the best players on the team. That's crazy. Yo, so you know, you know, you know, you know what I want to ask because I mean, obviously it's not the same because <laughs> you're a professional now and everything. But I'm always curious on best teammates. You hit on it before, and I know you play for a bunch of different teams. Who are just some of the guys, I guess, that uh, were the most fun to get to know that you've played with? Like you've talked about now, like Gerald Green, you got to even meet on your team now. Like, who are some of the best dudes you got to be around and that you've taken some like? qualities from or like got dropped some knowledge on you like you know what I mean yeah I mean of course Gerald Green like he's an open book that's what I liked about GG Gio sit up there and talk to you give you game and tell you all the stuff he's been through and then with me and him you know we won the oldest on the team even he's older he's 10 years older than me but you know we both got families and wives so we can relate so you know he was one of the great teammates um Ben Bentil, 
from Providence, like he, right. I ain't gonna lie, if it wasn't for him last year, kind of pushing me through my whole process that I was telling you about that I went through, like mm-hmm. I couldn't have done it without him because he went through the same thing when he was younger in Euroleague and same thing happened to him. So I'm like, I appreciate him for that. Um, TJ Klein, uh, Nancy, Nancy Lieberman uh, is, uh, that's his mother. Yep. He's a real good teammate. Like I go, when I go home, I go, uh, when I go to Dallas, I go kick it with them at their house all the time. So they both drop knowledge on Love. me. Yeah, she has a whole, so she has a whole basketball dope. award named after her. Oh so, yeah. yeah. She's dope. Yeah. She's real dope. One of the funniest though is uh Angel Delgado. <laughs> really? No way. I need to hear about my, my man Angel. Man, I never I would never thought this dude was so funny, man. This dude used to uh when I was in Israel, he was he came for he was I think for like a month and a half. Dude, he would fall asleep and film all the time. He would think practice is at one and it's at 12. <laughs> he come running in late. The apartment they gave him, he told him it wasn't good enough, so he had to get a whole another bigger Airbnb. It had a pool in there. All that. I was like, man, but nah, he's hilarious. Um, and then Kyle Wilcher and Nick Johnson and Sam Decker, that was and Johnny O'Brien, that was a good team to be on last year too when I was in Turkey. Okay, nice. Yeah, those are all some studs from college. It's crazy how like. I always say this all the time, but it's crazy how basketball is like, there's nothing real personal about it. Like you guys, sometimes in the games, it'll get like a little bit heated, but that's just competition, right? Like there's not, there's, you know, there's a little bit of rivalry there as you're going through Mm -hmm. the grind of it, especially Mm -hmm. if you're in the same conference and whatnot. But when it's like done and when you guys are like all part of the same like professional pool or whatever, it's like all love. I, I, this, the, like the, the, the basketball brotherhood of it of the thing is crazy to me still. Yeah, no, it's a huge, a huge brotherhood. Like, you know, it's crazy. You meet you meet guys that know know you because you know uh, one of their friends or went to school with somebody they grew up with. Like, I had one guy in the middle of the game. He's like, uh, "You went to Creighton?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, you went to school with my boy, um, um, Ronnie?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Yeah, we went to high school together. This and that." Um, I, I, uh, what's the guy's name in, uh, Israel, Jordan, that plays, uh, in Israel, which one, I think he, which one he was like division three or division two. Now he's in, Oh, Israel. Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, my boy, like Jeff. Yeah, he came up Emerson. to me for the game. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you went to school with my boy, Jordan. I'm like, oh, that's my dog right there. He's like, yeah, yeah. We, we, Jeff we and I played at AAU. Mm-hmm. So it's just played crazy D3 to out here and balling. That's crazy. Yeah, you're right. He's good. Yeah. So it's just crazy. And like, especially overseas, like the overseas community with all the athletes, because we all kind of been through the same thing. I even got I got another funny story for you to tell you after this about some of my overseas experience. But it's just crazy. The community over there, like we're all so tight niche because we know how it is going overseas you know, being Americans, being looked at a certain way, dealing with certain situations. Like we, I can tell you some of the stuff I've been through, I know a couple other hoopers that's been through the same thing. And when we're on the court with each other, we kind of have that same mutual respect for each other always because we know and we understand the grind. For sure. J.P. McCure is always my like first example I have with it because he was like universally despised by every single fan base aside from Mm -hmm. his own, you know. Uh-huh. Every time you talk to a hooper that played against him, 
it's nothing but like, oh, JP's the best. He's JP, awesome. JP like, is cool. Cool as hell. That's the yeah. crazy hell. Yeah. <laughs> See, like, even you, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We was playing one game, and he's over there. He's like, he's like, man, you killing us right now. Keep going, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's I the think truth, though. That's, that's, that's how it people is. off, wouldn't it? Like, right, Jordan? Like, people think it's all. No, because I even remember, like, the games when we used to, like, y'all used to go at it, Marcus. Like, when you guys used to play even, like, against Nova, going at, like, Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson, y'all would be, like, going at it on the court, talking mad junk, right? But then after the game, it's like, mad love, bro. You getting better every year, bro. Keep working. Like, your game is improving crazy. And I'm like, yo, this is this is a basketball fraternity like we are really all in this shit together so no it's good to hear that for overseas for sure yeah i remember there was one game where you guys were about to play nova i think this is your after marcus left um <laughs> it was so funny to me because you know how like intense davion gets for game days or whatever like he just gets like i don't know he gets like in his own head he doesn't want to hear anything phil booth <laughs> right they were at the jump circle right and Phil Booth is like trying to dap him up like before tip. <laughs> and he's like screaming at him, Dave, Dave, Dave. Like I can hear him from like all the way over in my seat, like 50 feet away or whatever. And Davion is just like, nah, <laughs> like I don't want to give him any respect before we do this. But then like after the, as soon as like the clock at zero at the end of it, it's all love again. It's like, I love the games that you guys play with each other, like mentally like that. Did we, did we lose that game? Did we lose that game? Yeah, you guys got cooked bad in the second that's game. Davey, that's Davey Al's fault. I'm going to have to talk to him about that one. <laughs> yeah, Phil Booth lit you guys up in the second Hey, game. that's one, dude, I'm he proud sure of. sure did. I'm proud of Davey For Al. sure. Hey, fact, so shout out to Davey We haven't even talked about that. Yeah. What, are you guys going to talk about it or what? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just not- saying there's just a lot of guys. Like, no, you good. Yeah. There's a lot of guys just that – even just from our, like, everyone, even Kobe, like, I'm just in my grade, like, Kobe, who's playing overseas in Japan right now, like, there's so many dudes who, like, because, Marcus, you talked about it earlier, just, like, about being persistent and, like, knowing your journey and knowing what you got to do, like, that's the point about Davion, I think I want to make just that, like, he knew what he needed, wanted to do for himself and, like, had found the type of success he wanted, like, at Kentucky and everything, so, yeah, it's good to see that, good to see my man Kobe even balling out in Japan, like, playing his professional career like it, it, it's it's good to see even you man like it's so good to just see everybody who like wanted who had those professional aspirations or playing at whatever level they like whatever level you wanted like it's good to see guys make like get to that and especially dudes like you man who work for it yeah the Davion yeah, thing is crazy too it. because when you look at like what happened in the world um you know right as his career would have been ending right like had he uh you know, had he come back from the ankle and played that year, that would have been it because the tournament got canceled. He wouldn't have any eligibility left. And I don't know, just because of the that decision he made, he ended up getting two years out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like two years he wouldn't have had. He wouldn't he had would an have. amazing program, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm sure. Yeah, and he probably had he probably had a ton of fun this year. I know he did. He just seems like a factory. different person. Like, I know it's only social media and we can only see so much, but he just looked like he was in a totally yeah. different I'm just, I guess you know that's why I love because you know uh, being around him for what I was around him for, um, consistency was always the thing. You know, can he play? Put together a couple good games. So for me to see him play good like every night in, you know, he's going to be a consistent player and a good player for him. That was just amazing for me to see. Like, 
I had to tell him, like, I'm, I'm so proud of you and everything you've done in the, especially these past two years. It was just, it just makes me smile every time I watch his games. Um, did you have to watch much Creighton this year? Oh, uh, especially being, yeah, being now being here stateside, I was able to watch a lot of games. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk it. to you a little bit about the squad and what you think. But first of all, let's talk about Jay Wright a little bit because that just broke last night. It was so. First of all, I gotta let people know this is so funny because this is how this is how tuned in like Jordan gets when the Celtics are playing like a big game. <laughs> okay, so Jordan, what Jordan, Jordan and I were texting before the Celtics game started, and he said. Um, we were just talking about Marcus is going to come on or whatever. And, uh, like if we wanted to do some, some, get ourselves organized or whatever, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna be downtown in Boston for the game. So let's, uh, let's get together, you know, sometime afterwards and and get right. So, (laughs) so Jordan's in, Jordan's in the city, right. And the Celtics are doing their thing. And, uh, I think the J the first report, like Shams broke the J right is considering retiring news a little after, six like maybe five minutes after six so right right as the celtics were tipping off okay so already just put yourself in jordan's head right now well, what's jordan doing with the celtics are tipping off so shams breaks that news okay and then like, okay and then uh everybody starts talking about it like every single media outlet personality I'm boston just starts <laughs> Just starts breaking this story from different angles. Like, is considering retirement, is going to retire, is telling the team right now. It like it, it just progressed so quickly to the point where it went from is considering retiring to is retiring to he flat out announced it and released a statement. So they already announced his successor within like two and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. This is all while the Celtics are playing. <laughs> So Jordan and I are just texting about the Celtics the whole time. And I don't know that he doesn't know what's actually going on elsewhere, you know? So I'm not really bringing Uh, it up. And then out of the blue, out of the blue, an hour after the Celtics get done. So he's in a different headspace. Now he texts me and he goes, what the fuck? Jay Wright retired. (laughs) I was like, how did you, how are you, how did you manage to tune that out for two hours? It broke literally from the jump. And I was like, That's Jordan when the Celtics are. Yo, hey, I feel you, Marcus. Yeah. I was with, I was with, I was with Mo Guinea and Eli. Right, we was out in Boston because uh-huh. Mo is out here. Mo is out here now, right? And so we're yeah. watching it, and I think I remember now. Obviously, I was drinking. I was that watching the game, so I think I remember Eli or Mo saying something about it. But it was when KD was getting strapped up. So I wasn't really trying to hear all that. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I was really locked into the Celtics defense last night for way too long. I apologize. But yeah, man, Jay Wright. Shout out to Jay Wright. Unreal career. Shout man. out to Jay Wright. I could I, I couldn't believe it. What's your what's your best what you, what you what's your best Jay Wright story? Because I know you you played, so you actually got to interact with the other coaches. I, I ain't really play that much, so I didn't really get to talk to man, the other man. coaches. So, <laughs> well, really, what's your what's your I, best Jay Wright Jay story? Wright, I don't know. It's tough because Jay Wright always so so cool, calm, and collective. So it's like there's nothing like I've never had like an interaction with him. But you know, if if you know Jay Wright, you know how he is. He's a he's a real like nice guy. He's he's a great guy to talk to. So. I think the best the best memory I could think about was when I was um, I was at the college all star game and we were getting ready to go onto the court to practice because we played at the same arena as the Final Four and that was the year that was the year that uh, they beat Michigan 
And so as they're coming off the court, he just kind of pulled me to the side and talked to me for like, you know, just six, about six, five minutes, you know, just telling me how great of a player I was, how he's going to follow me, you know, like I, I really got a chance to make the NBA and just all the stuff. Like he's like, I haven't seen a player like you before and just stuff, you know, just stuff you want to hear. And it's like, it's Jay Wright. So it's like, you know, that was probably one of the best moments I could think about. Yeah, well, I mean, he ain't wrong either. <laughs> he definitely ain't wrong. <laughs> I haven't seen a player oh, like yeah, this. Yeah, it's even worse when you hear from a guy like that. You you got to start to think it. Right, exactly. Yeah, you that's gotta, good. You got to believe <laughs> it. Put level. a battery yeah. pack. Yeah. No, one time – well, just – I think it was before your senior day. You, you guys played DePaul, I think, your senior night. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you and uh, – <laughs> I think you you guys were all messing around, like doing dunks after practice or whatever. The last practice before the game, and uh, you went up for a dunk, and like you got so high that you threw it through the ground. Oh yeah, through the through the hoop. Those are my favorite. Those and is my favorite. You threw it so hard. I don't even know how this is possible, but the ball didn't bounce. It just like died on the ground. Like you just spiked it. And I was like, I how powerful of a dunker do you have to be? To like deflate a basketball on on impact, like that's just insane to me. That's like, Man, I, I wish I still had those 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 bunnies I got. <laughs> right, <laughs> like exactly. I <laughs> that was the last practice I saw Marcus Foster do. He almost deflated a basketball dunking it. I think Marcus, my two favorite dunks that you used to do was that one when you used used to get up so high, you used to throw that shit through the rim. Yeah, that yeah. one. And then when you used to do the, the two-hand, the quick mellow, because you used to get up quick and come down quick. Like on your, when you yeah. used to jump like that. So the mellow used to go crazy. You're the reason I even was like trained legs so hard. It was like, I have to be able to dunk with two hands because I kept looking at you every day and being like, he's my height. Why can't I dunk like that? You know, it's crazy. So, it's crazy because I was telling you, I'm the oldest one on my team this year in the G League. So... I don't use I don't really use my bounce like that like like how I used to you know I used to love dunking like I just go up Man. and try to do something crazy, but now like I don't I don't do that as much like guys have to practice be dunking and stuff and I don't never try they be like oh you can't jump so it's crazy when I do I'm like all right I'm about to show y'all something so I get up and show them something they're like it's like you can jump like that I'm like I used to have a I used to have a forty inch vertical. Like it's oh probably my not, God. It's probably not you up really, now, You really enter in the dad phase now. That was the most dad shit you said the whole podcast. I, yeah. like, hey, I used to. Hey, hey young fella. It's I crazy. used to. That's what you sound like now. No, that's <laughs> exactly how I be feeling like, man, because it's so it's it's so different. It was so different this year because now they I'm like showing them pictures from my freshman year of college and they're looking at me crazy like. Like, oh, you you old as hell. I'm like, I'm only 26, but y'all just 22 and 20 and 21. Different mm-hmm. hops. Different hops at 22. Yeah, I, Justin, I, I, I you guys, you guys know Justin Carter, right? Oh man. Yeah, but, those are the those Justin. are the bunnies I need. Yeah, see, oh, but he's yeah. modest about it too, because he'll always say every year he comes back and he's like, he's like, I can't jump like I used to or whatever. He said it again this summer when they were playing summer league at uh What's that facility? Damn it. Going vertical. The field? No, oh, it's going yeah, vertical. Yeah. yeah, it's not at the field house. It was at going vertical. Yeah. Um, so he was up there, you know, they were getting ready to play like the semifinal game or whatever, one of the playoff games. And I was just like, you know, I was just talking to him. He's like, Yeah, I just can't jump like I used to, man. I can't, I don't know. I got like one dunk left in me or whatever. And I was like, Oh, okay, that sucks, but I doubt I don't believe you at all. 
And this dude literally, <laughs> I got film, I got footage of it. So if you don't believe me, I'll show you. This dude was coming down in transition. This was like 20 minutes after he said this shit to me. And he literally threw this shit off the glass and hammered on some dude. Like, I was like, you just got done telling me you don't even jump anymore. And you got one dunk left in your whole career. And you just off the gl- you just went off the glass on some dude in transition. Like you gotta be, you gotta I think be I, just, I just seen that I just Wait. seen a clip on Twitter of him dunking on somebody. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. He says it all the time. Wait, He's now I'm ki- now I have to ask now because I'm curious. I was just thinking about it. I do, Marcus. I do have a favorite dunk of your career. I don't know if you remember it, but it was when we played. I want to say it was either like. Loyola, Maryland, or like uh, Wagner, somebody, the inbound pass where you cocked it back with the one hand, jumped off two, uh, yeah, caught it with I the mean, one hand. Yeah, it was, at home. it was one of those games. Yeah, I remember that one. That easily, I just remember that one because that was like a, you know, the non-conference schedule, right? The games be slow. Yeah. No one's really there like that. Like, I remember it was in the second half. And I'm like sitting back in my seat a little bit. Wasn't a real, I wasn't thinking anything was about to happen. And that one was like the most surprising dunk I think you've ever pulled off from my perspective, like on the bench over. I was like, oh, what just, I, and that was the first one. What's your, do you have a favorite dunk of your Craig career? Um, you had some good ones. Yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah, good that one, one I mean, was nice. That one, the one where I was in uh, transition. The one I was in transition, I think it was like right. I think I did those dunks back to back, but I was in transition. I pro hopped and brought it over his oh, head. Oh yeah, too, and I dunked it hard as hell. Uh, really, the the whole DePaul game, my senior year. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I want to yeah. Hey, I wanna, yeah. I wanna set that one up real quick because I wanted to ask you about another one that people may not know a whole lot about that Jordan's told me about. But this DePaul game one, it was after that dude from Northwestern that first of all, this dude is now a writer for the Cincinnati Reds. So he covers major league baseball now. So he made it, he, he got out of basketball, thank God, but he made it somehow. Um, but yeah, he, he was given scouting reports on Marcus Foster and he said, Marcus is the only dude in the Creighton lineup that doesn't have uh where, how did he say it above the rim? Above, yeah. above the rim talent is what he said above the rim talent. So then you guys go play DePaul. <laughs> Did you know about that? Were you was that in your head? Like I'm about to show people, or was do you not pay attention to that stuff? No, I definitely, I definitely was paying attention to it because yes. I remember it like I had it so much it was, better. I had post. I, I remember that because I had posted a video. We were mm-hmm. practicing. I think we were in. I think it was in Providence, maybe We were practicing. And it was right after he said it. And I did the dunk where I throw it off the backboard and I get as high as I can and just throw it in there. I can't remember the caption I put, but I know I put something on there like uh, that looks above the rim to me or something. I put some caption on there, and <laughs> I, I think it. I even tagged Some petty, it. some petty. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love every second of it. I'm so glad you, you that DePaul game was a response to that thing. That's so funny. Yeah, that was a murder. That was a murder. I forgot. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, one. there was a there was a nasty baseline dunk you had against DePaul. You put somebody in a poster. I think it might have been Paul Reed or something. Someone. And it was like, yeah, that dude. Who that was dude, it? It was dude. somebody. I I forget. Was it my uh, my first year? It was. No. Nah. Yeah, it was, it was a year. Year. Yeah, it was had... your first year. Yeah, it was 17, yeah. 2017, Jordan's freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who it was. I remember I that. Remember. It was, yeah. 
I can go find it real quick after we're done. But yeah, we'll, it's, yeah it's, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll it was, dig it up. Don't worry. It was sick. We'll get it was that. like, oh god, that it was like the most violent thing I've seen in a game. I remember that one because I remember sending you the picture of it after. Like I immediately <laughs> went and looked at my phone and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my god. But the one I wanted to bring up is the one Jordan's told me about this one before, and I I don't know if you remember it because you've probably done it so much in practice. But and apologies, oh my to god. Sam. Oh my god, yeah. Oh apologies god. to Sam Bring Duncan this one up, if he's please. listening to this. Apologies to Sam Duncan if he's listening to this podcast. But uh this is like Jordan and he says Davion, but you but you scared the shit out of both these guys as freshmen because you, you guys were doing the the you know the charge drill the charge and the vertical, drill. vertical wall drill. Verticality, <laughs> verticality. verticality. Yeah. And Sam yeah, Duncan yeah. was doing the verticality I'm, I'm and you right, hammered yeah. on him so hard that Jordan and David. I've had I've referenced this on this podcast before, Marcus. Just so you know, because I, I we were talking. I forget what we were talking about. I think we were talking about some drills that we used to do back in the day. I think verticality came up somehow, and I was like, I've never seen a man get baptized in a verticality drill worse than Sam Duncan <laughs> when Marcus Foster just chose violence one day. He it Scared, was his it, fault. It, he he. Oh, <laughs> you blamed him. <laughs> That's what I wanted. Go, go. You know who fought it was? It was him and Coach Lutz. (laughs) Them two. Because we were doing the drill, and, you know, I was just going through the motions. And he kept, and, like, three times he blocked my shot. And I remember I I told somebody, I'm like, and Lutz Lutz was talking trash. Like, oh, you can't finish. Oh, beat that up every time. So I'm like, all right. And I got to the line. I said, when I get back on the other side, I'm about to dunk on (laughs) channel. Oh so my why? god! So it was like premeditated, is what you're yeah. Saying. I already knew yeah, so it was like, premeditated oh murder. God! So I had so went bad. up and I just dunked it, and I looked at Coach Lutz like now when Coach Lutz took off and started laughing. <laughs> Matt, you Matt, you know the dunks in 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 the practice facility when you dunk it so hard the stanchion rattles. Yeah, and it's just it's like it's a thunderous dunk, and then the stanchion just rattles. That's why me and Davion was looking at him like he was from another planet, because we were like, why did you just hurt that man? He just got here. Yo. Every, he just got just here like a hurt. month it ago. Like, boom, everybody just... Yeah, it was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jordan, Jordan, said, about to, oh. Jordan said him and Davion both got in trouble with Preston because of their reaction to you doing that. It's so funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Preston was like, go oh, back yeah. in line. Stop laughing. What, y- what y'all doing? Get, get in line. He was like, yo, did you just see what happened? That man just died. <laughs> man. That's oh, like my freshman time. year. I tried to I tried to dunk on or my red shirt year. I tried to dunk on the whole freshman class. Did you really? <laughs> I, I can't I missed somebody? I don't think I got Kyrie. He was the only one I didn't get. Yeah, that's that's a tough one to get though. Kyrie was good. He uh, he knew he knew how to get out of them situations. Oh yeah. Yeah. He for sure know how I did. Uh move or hit or use his long arms and knock it out your hand. Yeah, yep. for sure. At the last uh, second. Marcus, I don't know if I ever told you the story about the Utah Jazz Scout that was here when you guys played Butler. Um, Kyrie's sophomore year. I think it was his, maybe it was his junior year. Yeah, I think it was his junior year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, because it was the year before he got drafted. So, like, yeah, so the, there's a Utah Jazz Scout at the, at the game when you guys were playing Butler in Omaha, and he was there, like, looking at Keelan Martin and – Kamar Baldwin and like I think Kellum Dunham was still on that team, and he was t- he was telling us he was like yeah I'm here to look at these guys and everybody he said was from Butler and he didn't say any of the Creighton guys he didn't say you he didn't say Kyrie and uh, so Kyrie comes I don't know if you remember but Kyrie comes down Main Street okay 
and Aaron Thompson is sitting right there. <laughs> Aaron Thompson was, I think he was a freshman on that team. Um, he's just sitting right there in the middle of the paint and Kyrie just takes off over his ass and yams on him. And <laughs> I remember there's so many still shots too, of guys reacting like Davion's on the court going, uh, like, and uh, I think Ronnie's on there going, looking scared. And this dude, this scout for the jazz was all about like Butler's players before that moment. And then after Kyrie did that, all he did was like, he had a packet, right. Of the players. All he did was look at the, <laughs> all he did was read Kyrie's bio and information for the last, like 15 minutes of the game after Kyrie dunked on Aaron Thompson. And I was just like, I was like, that was literally a life-changing dunk for Kyrie right there. Right. For just, real. That, that dunk was crazy. That, Cause it was so unexpected. I didn't think he was going to dunk that. Right. He didn't look like he could. It was like, there was still a good, the dude in the lane. He just took off over him. And he dunked it hard too. Yeah, he did. That was the, that was a violent dunk. And that's what you do. That's what you did to Sam Duncan. Definitely. It was murder. So, it was murder. I, and you know what made it worse? Cause remember Jordan, that day we were doing it from half court. Yep. Oh, yep. You had that much momentum. Yep. That much oh momentum. <laughs> Where did you? No, you probably took off from like third hash. Like I, I remember that. Yeah, oh I remember. I had. I, to, like, I remember. Oh I had gosh. to take off kind of far because I knew he he was taller. Oh my god. And I like obviously have a I have a like very romanticized version of it in my head now. Like I just remember you dunking it so hard, like the ball flipped around the net, like you know when the net flip out and it just <laughs> yeah. gets caught on the top of the rim again. <laughs> that's that's how hard I remember you dunking that. that shit. Crazy. I remember that too. I re- I remember that like it was yesterday. Oh my god! Yeah, you do. A vivid, yeah, that story about Lutz egging you on. Yeah, that's pretty vivid. So no, yeah. that's very Lutz activity too. That sounds yeah, like yeah. it is for sure. So all, all sarcastic as shit. Sarcastic. <laughs> oh, clearly, Marcus, you can't finish at the rim. Clearly, you're not going to be able. All right, Lutz. All right, let me show you something. I'm going to cash this check on this dude's ass right now that you're signing over. Um, let's talk about the Jays squad, though. You want to talk about – you want to get some great analysis, Marcus? Do you watch the Jays and all this Yeah, year? we got to get his thoughts. We got to get his thoughts. I guess I got to – I'm going to have to say it now because I've been telling I've been telling my friends this. I'm like, I think, I think this might be the squad to do it. This next one coming up? Yeah, I think – To do what? what are we, what's your – to, to win the whole thing. Ooh. I think Final so. Final four, baby. Let's get it. It's He's just like said. the way the the way the team's made up, like they got they have so many weapons. And I think Ryan Ryan has one more year, right? Yeah. Ryan Kalkman. I mean, they both got which Ryan? There's like there was three of them. The tall year. one, the real yeah. tall one. I don't know how to say Yeah, that. Kalkbenner. Yeah, yeah. Kalkbenner. Yeah, he's a yeah, sophomore. Like, he's a sophomore this year. Yeah, that that team, because I knew coming in, they were saying how good the recruiting class was. So I wasn't really expecting much of it. But mm-hmm. even on early on when I was watching the game, like I think I watched uh, Iowa State game, and I'm like, they're pretty good, and they just kept getting better and better. And to even see like Trey, how good he played. Uh, mm-hmm. Man. Uh, the PG went out. Uh, what's his name? Nemhard Ryan Nemhard. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Nemhard. When he went out, and for him to step up and play good, and you know, they really had a chance to beat Kansas. I think, if, especially if uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan doesn't get hurt the game before, I think they really have a chance to beat Kansas. So. I mean, I'm I'm ex- I, I've tried to tell Coach Mack I'm like this team is special, you know. I think I think there get a couple get a transfer in there, get another freshman or something like that could be the team to do it. Yeah, that's that's the core is crazy talented. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what pieces they put around. Them. They already added the uh, the transfer from TCU, Francisco Farabello. So he's like a, you know. 
good shooter playmaker, um, but they needed some shooting because they lose O'Connell and Hawkins. So you got to that's your yeah. two best three point shooter. So you have to Hawkins, add something. Hawkins there. might might be one of my favorite college players of all time. Just want to throw that out there. Really? Why? What? Like he like he's so skilled and the way he played, like he 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 going in. Everybody had he has to be the main person to stop. I feel like, and I think yeah. that's why they were so good because. He played such a large role to where you have to worry about him every night. And he's gonna, he's kind of like uh, I think Martin for us. Cause you know, I think Martin right. wasn't our best player my senior year, but Martin was so dominant at what he did, it it affected our affected their defense and made our offense so much easier. And then the games where he got it going, it was just so easy for us. Mm-hmm. But I just Yo, like isn't he the type of him in his story? He isn't he the type too who you can see just being nice at ball till he's like 60. Because yeah, his game is just he's gonna even when he has old man game, he's still gonna he's be still nice gonna and kill in the men's league. He's gonna kill in the men's league. He, he I, just I used to I, I said that about him too. My analysis was he just knows how to play the game, man. Like he just he knows spots, he knows where he can score, he knows what he can and can't do. Like he has high basketball IQ, like knows how to get it to other guys, like when it's not like his spots or his area to create like he's good man he was i, I like that i like that take i'm t- he 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 can make a lot of money overseas oh for sure oh, for sure yeah like, and then and then when he's done and then he's done with that in coaching too yeah yeah um do you think you would dunk on golf do you think you could I think I could get him. Okay. I, yeah, like, I, I think I could get him. Like, I'll, I'll, like, well, 18 to 20-year-old Foster, we won't, we won't put too much pressure on you now, but. Yeah, don't uh, be. A, he kind of big now. He kind of yeah, big now. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, it might be not as powerful, but I'll, I'll get him. I can get him now, too. You, okay. can, you can sneak it now. You can, like, sneak, sneak it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, you come back, if you come back and work out this summer, I'll make sure to document it if it happens. So we, yeah, we yeah, we definitely got to get that set up. Yeah, um, yeah the, I think. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate next season because obviously with with Villanova, the thing with Jay Wright retiring is like Villanova was kind of going to be in a transition year anyway, you know, because they're going to lose Gillespie and Samuels. Um, like those are just two big usage pieces for them, you know. So they were going to have a little. I don't know if they were going to be like the. I think Creighton would have been the favorite maybe anyway, if not Providence over Villanova anyway. But now with Jay Wright gone, like that throws that even throws it more into that, right? Like where you think Creighton's got a chance to be the best team in that league. Um, and you just look at the pieces. Like if they, if they, you know, just make some market improvement that freshman to sophomore year jump, mm-hmm. right? That you usually expect out of talented, talented players that have good work ethic. I don't know. Like, it's crazy to say that a team that's never made the Elite Eight it has national championship potential, but they 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 do, you know, because they were right there with the national champs in Kansas, massively shorthanded, right? No Nemhard, no Kalkbrenner, um, and it was a one point game with under a minute to go, and they were right there to make plays. If you know, that could have could have gone either way, you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting, but it's crazy that you said that because like. These guys are still going to be kind of young next year. You don't you don't wonder about that at all for next season. I think with the the type of games they had to play and the experience they got this year, I think yeah. that car- it carries it carries more more than you know learning from losing. I think when because the games they've won, like 
at you know, UConn, they beat, San Diego they, State. They beat yeah. Villanova by almost 20 egg, beat, mm-hmm. beat UConn on the road and at home. So I think those experiences kind of kind of matures your game a little bit because, you know, it's like, oh, I've been to these places and I've already done that. Now let's put it all together and become a great team. Yeah, that's – it's it's crazy because the thing that I that I'm, I don't know how to – measure this and Jordan tell me if I'm crazy or not but like I don't know I kind of think like I I think basketball in terms of math right I think you have to have certain guys who can do certain things because you got to be able to put a certain amount of points on the board to be successful right but this team just won in so many different ways right they won in the 50s they won in the 60s they won in the 90s they won in the 70s I just think there's something intangible with these guys that just how competitive they are that they're able to figure out how to win different ways. And I think that's really valuable, but I don't know how valuable. So I I feel like they're still going to be really young next year because losing Hawkins and O'Connell that's, and, and Keyshawn, those are three really experienced pieces and three really valuable leaders to the team. So that's not – I don't think that's not for nothing. But I also think, like, when you look at Nemhard and Trey Alexander and Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Kaufbender, like those four – that's a that's a crazy good four. Um, mm-hmm. They're talented, and then they also have, like Marcus said, the experience of winning those games. Just to, it, it just makes you tougher, right? Like you don't ever forget those experiences. So when you're in that type of a situation again, it's easy to fall back on it and figure the thing out on the fly, even if the game isn't going the way you drew it up, right? Yeah, and right. of course, yeah, I echo that. When you when you got Greg McDermott as your head coach, that gives you a great chance too. That's, that's true too. <laughs> Are you surprised at how like he it doesn't he seem more uh, laid back and process oriented than he was? Well, he was he, he wore he wore Jordans this year. Yes, he is more laid back. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. the man wore yeah. Jordans in games. I've definitely seen some changes in in the coach Mac that I've known. Yeah. Like sometimes, like I've seen. Like they just get stagnant and can't score, and I'm like, "This was me. You would be going off for me right now." But you're so calm right now. It's like I'm like, "What? Who, who is this new? Who is this new Mac?" But I, I love to see it though. I, I I love to see it because I feel like I feel I think like you know Mac has always been a good coach, but I think now he's kind of like he's like breaking down those walls that he's been trying to do. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like they got the Big East championship. You know, they made it well to said. the 16. Yeah. Like, the you know, edges. he's doing things. He's doing things now that he's always wanted to do. And I think he, you know, it's Creighton. You know, Creighton always recruits a whole bunch of good guys. So now he has all these great guys around him. So, you know, it just seems like he's just enjoying, he's just enjoying going through everything now. I think, I think Marcus and Maurice changed him. Like, cause I think you, I just think he, I think he learned how to trust the, the innate, just, you know, go make this happen type of ability in a player because that's what you guys were – that's when you guys did that, you were at your best, right? I, like, think, I about want, I, think about I a situation – think about a situation like – that, That's what I was thinking. I mean, think about it. Think about the Villanova game. It's true. You know, your senior year, right? Like, honestly, if you think – I've looked back at that season a few times. If you don't win that game, I don't think you guys make the NCAA tournament because you yeah. didn't have Martine and the set the, – the, what your – your quality of wins right after he went down weren't the same. And it was a significant sample size without him that they, I think the committee could have made an argument to leave you out. 
So the fact that you guys won that game, I think, put you in. And when you look at the way that game was won, down eight with like four and a half minutes left or whatever it was, Nova never, Nova never loses a game like that. Mm. And not only Nova, but the, like the best Nova team ever, right? Yeah. You guys found a way to win that game down eight. And it was through just like you guys were just out there hooping, right? Like you hit a big shot. You found Mitch with a sick pass in the corner for a game. I think he was put you guys up one for that corner three. Um, just make play after play, right? The lobs to Epperson. You guys were just out there hooping. Kyrie was hitting contested threes. Like you guys were just making big plays. And then I think about the Xavier game too, where they came back from the deficit, right? And it's now a tie game with like 10 seconds left and you're just dribbling the ball up the floor. And Mac doesn't call a timeout. He doesn't draw anything on the whiteboard. He doesn't get anything organized. He just says, what does he say, Marcus? Let's play. Let's play, right? So you just go <laughs> up there, dribble your shot, rise up, shoot it, bang, rest is history, right? I think like I think you I think that group, um, and I could be wrong, but I think that group loosened things up a little bit and allowed him to trust, you know, that just that innate ability to make big plays because you guys have put work in. You know what I mean? Like, I think he trusts guys who are in the gym a lot, first of all. Like, that's important, too. Like, I don't think he would trust yeah. – I don't think he would trust you if you, like, if you weren't putting work in. But I think he knows, like, because of what you've done um, when no one's watching, like, that moment is, is, is muscle memory for you, right? Rising up and hitting a three. Mm-hmm. The moment doesn't matter because you've done that a thousand times, right? Exactly. That's what that, that's what I I loved about when I was on my visit at Creighton. Like he told me, he's like, you know, if there's a shot you want to take, I'm gonna let you take it. But I need to see you in the gym working on it. So I know he used to always hate my redshirt year when I used to do the step backs or the mid range or I would shoot the turnaround one foot. But after a while, he started to see like, you know, I actually work on it when I'm in the gym by myself or I'm with one of the managers. Like that's something I do. All summer in open gym, he sees me use it. Now we get in the game and he knows. Or that's even like open gym. Like when he watches play open gym in the summer, he's seen me games tied 6'6". Six, six, and, you know, we come down, they just give me the ball and let me play. So he's seen it before. So now he gets more comfortable. And I think now he's recruiting. Now I think that's what I love to hear about it when I watch games is, you know, they talk about me, Maurice Watson, Cole Huff, you know, kind of starting that transfer trend uh, at Creighton. So it always makes me happy to see. And then we start getting a lot of good good transfer. Denzel Mahoney, uh, DJ Maybe, Jefferson, yeah, Ryan Hawkins. We start getting good guys like that. And that just makes me feel good because it's like I was, I was part of that process. And to mm-hmm. see where they're at now, you know, it's just amazing to see. And it's my school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's funny because, awesome. like, you – I mean – Fans, one of the more popular like criticisms of your game, fans would always be like, it was always after a bad shooting game, obviously, because like if you're making shots, no one has a right. question about it. But, like, man, what's with Marcus's shot selection tonight? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm just like, I mean, first of all, if he was like 10 for 15 instead of 6 for 15, you wouldn't be saying anything. So that's number one. But two, he works on that stuff. Like, you can't, you can't only talk about the quality of the shot when, whether based on the result of it, you know what I mean? Whether it's going in or not, like if he's working on that thing, that's his shot. And that's, that's the thing with you is like, you were a tough shot maker, but you worked on that stuff. Like that was part of your game. It wasn't just like a, well, I don't feel like driving the ball or making the extra pass. I'm just going (laughs) to rise up and shoot this stupid ass shot. Like that's something you put a lot of work in Mm -hmm. and it's your, it's the one you're comfortable with. And it's one that's tough to defend. 
And yeah, that's that's what the thing I always love about like, especially like playing, uh, being around people that I played in in college. Like, that's why I love to hear people's like, man, honestly, coaches say, you know, just play as good as defense as you can. But he's going to take tough shots. and He's going to make tough shots sometimes. And sometimes he's going to miss. That's just how his game is. And for me, that's something I've always worked on. So that's why when I got to Creighton, I was glad I was able to show showcase what I can do. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't go good for me, but and it looks crazy. It looks crazy to some people, but that's just my game. That's just how I play. And I can't help it that I'm missing that night. You know, it's not like I'm trying to miss, but, you know, but then I have those big games like Villanova and Xavier that, you know, I'm taking these crazy shots and they're falling for me. How often do you think about that Villanova game, by the way? Is that like the number one moment of your career? Probably, I can't I can't make this up. I probably think about that game like once a month. Like, no lie. Seriously? That's awesome. <laughs> no, nah, I can't. Because awesome. like, like just there was so, so much to going into that game, like especially behind the scenes too. Like Ronnie goes down. I remember Ronnie was at my house the, the night before. He's like, my ankle's hurting. And I'm like, well, boy, you better go home and ice and get ready tomorrow. We play at noon. Right. Then he calls me 8 a.m. Like, I got to go to the hospital. I'm not going to be able to play. I can't walk. So then we got to do that. And then now – and that's crazy. Uh, that game kind of changed Mitch's whole whole career at Creighton, too, because now Mitch went from playing the three to playing the four. Now the re- his, like, rest of career started playing the four at Creighton, too. Mm-hmm. So – you know, that happens. You know, you're not – you're playing against the number one team in the nation at noon. You're not playing at nighttime. You're playing at noon. So, now your whole pregame has changed. And just the atmosphere – you know how Creighton fans are. So, the atmosphere is just amazing, especially when you're on the court playing. Then we're going to overtime. And it was just I, – I just think about it a lot because that's just one of the special moments I've had in my college career. And then, like we talked about on Twitter the other day, they go and they go and beat – Go and win yeah, they the wrecked championship. everybody, wrecked everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. You guys were the only team to beat them this year when they were at full strength. It's crazy when you look back at the players who played in that game for them, and it's like, dude, Creighton beat that team. Like, how? Mm-hmm. And that's not even – I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the guys that you guys had in the gym, like, because you know, I think, the world of you guys. But mm-hmm. those, those, that was a sick-ass squad, you know what I mean? And, like, that might have been the, one of the best teams of the last decade. And you guys didn't just beat them, but you beat them shorthanded when they were at full strength. It's crazy to me. Yeah, that's – and I, a lot of people, the most underrated part of the game, because people always talk, like you are saying, the last four minutes was that first – that first four minutes. Oh. When we were, go- when we were going back and forth in threes, because yeah. they hit those threes and they go up uh, 15 to four, and instead it's 15 to 15, that game is totally different. Yeah, you guys were – it was that the shot for shot. The shot making in the first like five to six minutes where it was insane in that game. Yeah, and that's and it was it was just crazy because it was so fast how it was going. It was just like three, three right back. They mm-hmm. hit a three. We might get a layup and come down, hit a three. It was just going. It was a fast paced game early. Yeah, for sure. That was crazy. Yeah, Jalen Brunson doing his thing the other night made me think of it again. I go, God dang, that is just insane that they beat these dudes. Like, because those were some serious. Yeah. Seriously nasty hoopers. He said it on Twitter, though. He said that it was Creighton was the loudest arena. Like, that game was the loudest game he said he's been in, like, on a, like, road arena. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's what I love, too, when I just – I've had a few guys that uh, I played in college, and they all say the same thing about it. Like, oh, that's the best arena I've ever played in. It's the loudest. Like, 
when I used to be Keelan Martin working out and training, he used to always tell Eric, he's like, Eric, how come every time we play y'all, it's dollar beer night? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's the dollar just always is, dollar beer night. Just Omaha Catholics, man. That's where they roll. Man. That's where they roll. It's beer and basketball. Hey, but, that's what all the Blue Jays are about. Hey, but Mark, hey, appreciate you, man. Like, don't want to take too much more of your time. Appreciate you coming on, chopping it up here with us. But speaking of college, I do have to ask my one question I did have for you is, you know, the rule changed after we, even it was after I graduated, but NIL deal. What do you think your best NIL deal would have been at Creighton? Oh, good question. <laughs> Think about it. Come on. Really I know you would have had something, something cool as hell. I mean, I think I for sure, I for sure would have did. I think T-shirts for me would have been crazy. Yeah. It's so tough because there's just Omaha. You know how the, uh, the fans are. Like, I just think there would have been so, so much different stuff I could have did. And so many different people would have tried tried to like get me to be a part of it so I, i'm not even sure yeah because you, you got you don't got swag you too so you could have like a different fit every game like a tunnel yeah, walk type of thing going on yeah but yeah, not even sure. like you don't I, I was thinking you were gonna say like waterburger or just like texas we roadhouse don't, or don't something like that you right you right you right i'm thinking but come I'm on my small that yeah, you think it's too small. Water you think it's too, you could have, you could have been, you could have, you could have changed the game. You could have brought a water. You could have oh, brought your dude. Texas roots to Omaha. You could have got a water water burger built. Omaha, that would have been in Omaha, oh, bro. See, yeah, they would have put That's a statue like at the C- yeah. outside the Patrick CHI. Mahomes that got right out here. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes got him in. Oh, see, four of them. Did he really? I knew it. Yeah, they just built two, and they got two more on the way. See, yeah, you would, you would have done that for I'm the mad, people dude. of Omaha. No, man. If he had brought a Whataburger I, I, I would have for oh, sure man. had to get me a uh, a Mercedes one or, or BMW something. <laughs> That's right. Something like oh, that. yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got to ride around in style while you're here. Yeah, come on. Now. Man, but I, I'm glad. I'm glad, it's, I'm glad it's in take, though, because, I mean, I, yep. think, I think we deserve it, especially, like, all the stuff that we did for our school. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I could man. be a part of the NIL, but I'm glad now we're at this part. One thing I do hate the transfer portal. I, you hate I, the transfer portal. Why? I I just don't like the fact of uh, kids able being able to just play right away. But are you salty or do you just not like? Do you actually <laughs> are you I mean, salty me, or do you not like it? Because here's here, mean, well, before honest, you before you before you go off. Like I, I would have thought. Well, you know what? When I think of the transfer portal and the one, not just the transfer portal. I think people get that confused. Like the transfer portal is always like people have always been transferring. The one-time transfer thing where guys like, where where a player goes from, like where he where he says makes a decision like this is not the place I got to go somewhere else I got to do it, and then they're able to be eligible right away. Like I think that's fair, and I think about your situation a lot because I remember talking to you your redshirt year and you were miserable. Like, wouldn't you have wanted to play that year? I think I being being at that age, I see it. I see. You know, you should be able to play right away. But now being older and maturing and understanding the process of it, like I think kids need to understand that their decision that they make coming out of school is important. I don't think kids really look into why they need to go to this school and they transfer because, you know, I mean, some kids, I think some kids do deserve to transfer. I'm not saying that all kids, all kids have that right reason, but some kids Mm -hmm. don't. 
because they just want to bounce around. Like I know a kid that's been on four schools in three years. Yeah, that's crazy. And not, and it's not because it's not because uh, it's not because he's not good enough to be at those schools. It's just because he's not taking care of his business. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not, why should it be fair for him to be able to bounce around and play at all these different schools? And you know, you got a guy that you know he might have went to a school, and you know that that fit isn't just for him. And he needs a transfer to be seen. And now, now he can he now he can play right away. Rather than now, you got high school guys. I heard high school guys aren't getting scholarships because of transfer portal. Like it's just crazy to think. But I just think too much is you're giving kids too much freedom really? because at the end of the day, they are young. And I think kids don't make the right decision because you know why I'm gonna go to Kentucky because Kentucky's offered me, but I shouldn't go to Kentucky just because of Kentucky, maybe I need to go to, you know, a Wichita state or something like that where I can be seen. Mm-hmm. See, that's what I think is interesting because I, I think it does. I think you're right. It does open up the opportunity to be abused. Right. But you also need it for the players who genuinely need a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. And the problem that was existing was the NCAA was, was lacking a ton of transparency in terms of who they would grant immediate eligibility waivers to and who they would deny them to. And then you would also have the, the third party element of it, which was the school that that player is transferring from would be in their feelings about it. And they wouldn't play ball with the NCAA in terms of getting that player eligible, even though it is a better situation for them. So the one-time transfer Mm -hmm. eliminates all that nonsense while also introducing the idea that it could be abused for, you know, the players that just aren't doing the right thing and just are hopping around looking for a place where they just where they shine and it works, right? So I think, in my opinion, it's more pros than cons, even though there are some cons. Yeah. Yeah. I think the cons get too much attention. I, th- I don't think the pros get nearly enough attention because I think it's, there are. A- I think, especially when you look at who players coming out of high school. I think players coming out of high school have different priorities than even players who have been at college one year and decide this isn't what this isn't what I imagined I was signing up for. So I got to try something else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Marcus, in your situation, you didn't it wasn't like a whole new list of places after K-State, right? You were recruited by Creighton out of high school and you almost went there at high school, right? Yeah, yeah, like that's that's one of the places I knew I wanted to go to, but I wanted to go to Big Twelve school, so yeah, it made, even it made more sense. That's that's why I always tell people it made more sense for me to go to Creighton because that was the school I really wanted to go to out of high school. Yeah, see, and that, and then the other factor is like I see guys that are leaving, you know, prominent programs, and they'll transfer down just because they know they just need to get comfortable and get their games mm-hmm. going, and they feel like they're not mm-hmm. at that level yet. I think that opportunity that is exists for those guys to go down a level is helpful too. I just, I just don't know why I don't know. I don't know if the barrier to make kids sit out a year, which is arbitrary in itself. Like, why is it one year? Why isn't it just a semester or something like that? Yeah. Maybe a um, semester. I, I could see a yeah. semester. I just think it's, I just think it's like, it's, it, 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 it does more harm than good. And, and the one-time yeah. transfer does more good than harm in my opinion. Right. It's just tough because, like you said, there's no process to understand, like, what kid deserves a transfer and what kid doesn't. Right. That's why right. I don't like it, because some kids do need to and some kids are just going to abuse it and go go to mm-hmm. another school just because they messed up. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. 
there's not a holistic like there's not a holistic way around the right or wrong answer to it it just right yeah but it should i think it should be there for the people who need it and then Mm -hmm. unfortunately there will be people who abuse it and hopefully they don't ruin it for everybody else hopefully it ends up like normalizing a little bit but yeah i'm I'm surprised to hear where you're at on that i thought you would have benefited i thought i thought that red shirt year was tough on you no it definitely was tough on me i think i think uh 19 20 year old Marcus would would appreciate that but now having my son coming in I I think being more mature I'm like you got to make the right decisions and sometimes you got to deal with your consequences for the decisions you make gotcha that makes sense what are you most excited about about having a son a lot really but I would have to say the main part is just the I think the basketball part on this on this child because with my with my daughter, I really just let her do her thing and try to figure it out. But I'm not gonna lie; I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna really push the basketball on this one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Are you are you a junior at all, or are you the first? Uh, I'm I'm a I'm the first. Okay. Is this is your son gonna be a junior, or are you gonna give him a different name? Um, I'm gonna give a different name. Okay, but, I don't know if you had thought about it yet, but I was wondering. I was curious. No, nah, it's kind of it's kind of like my dad. So my dad, he he never wanted to name name uh me after him. He but we kept the same initials. Ah, I got you. So yeah. he always his his nickname for me he calls me Junior just because we have the same initials. Oh, I see. Uh, goes. So okay. I've always I've always thought like I wanted to name. I'm like I'm gonna name Marcus Foster Junior, and his nickname is gonna be Deuce. That's that's what I always. Oh, I like out. that. Yeah. So now we found out. We're like, I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that now. No. So I'm sorry. The more the older I get, the more and more I start acting like my I was dad. Gonna... <laughs> I call my sister sometimes. Like, I did not know when you get older, you start acting like your parents. It's getting it's getting too weird for me. <laughs> you don't have any other frame of reference. You know, they they were a certain way when they were raising you, and now you only know how to act like them. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. Can't help it. Well, I don't know, Jordan. You got anything else? We good? No, nah, I was just gonna ask if you did have a a name you were thinking of, but I think uh, right. She, my wife, is in love with Dior right now. Dior, yeah, Dior. Okay. I lo- I, so I water. think, watch, Jordan. You're gonna, Jordan. You're gonna like this one. D- Dior Hendrix Foster. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. Spelled, spelled just like it. the album way. I like that with the X. Yeah, XX. Oh yeah, XX. Ooh, yeah, I like that a lot. I got I got a younger cousin actually. His name is Hendrix. Uh, he he's uh my my cousin who went to she actually went to St. John's and her husband uh is actually Korean and so yeah, little Hendrix. He's sad. That's a good name, man. I like yeah. that Dior Hendrix. I like it. So we're excited. We're excited. Nice. I'm happy for you, bro. I'm happy. Yeah, for, you. for sure. Um, don't don't Marcus, be surprised just after this, y'all. Y'all see about number three coming too. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you gonna get the whole squad together. Yeah, you you gotta, gotta about there. If Chelsea, get your starting five breaking, out there. Are you breaking news to Chelsea right now? Is, is she listening to this? No, nah, that's or? crazy thing. The crazy thing about us, we kind of already had it planned out. Okay. Like, okay. We were like, right. we're gonna wait till Jazzy gets like four. Okay. Then we're gonna just kind of start having them like back to back to back. Yeah, I think Jazzy's definitely ready because she's she's getting big now. Like she's ready to mm-hmm. 
she's ready to be like a responsible older sister. Yeah. Like. She's like, yeah. where's the squad? We're talking about where's changing squad? diapers and everything. So seriously, yeah, she can help out. That's right. Yeah. I'm like, all yeah. right, go for it. Had to wait till she got to the age it's, where you could like tell yeah, her man. what to do. Facts. See, people, you you smart. You yeah, smart. Dude, yeah. Forget what everybody said about you. Even if it was me, who said? <laughs> Even if it was me. <laughs> yeah, you got that. That's a three-person rotation now. There you go. It's not everybody thinks like when you have three kids, you have to like start going to zone defense now because it's them versus you. Like, no, you yeah you turn Jazzy into an ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, I see what you got going. That's smart. He's thinking long game. It's great, it's great that parenting. That's yes. great parenting. It is. It is. Marcus, man, we appreciate your time. Congratulations on everything. The championship. Yeah, facts, man. Congrats on it all. You know NBA is coming too, and on the family, man. You guys, like, Jazzy's beautiful, and your family looks great. Can't wait to see you continue doing your thing. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. That's been uh, another episode of the Scurry and the Scrub podcast. For Marcus Foster, our guest, Jordan Scurry, your host, I'm Matt DeMarinas. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you when we talk to you.